Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. To kick off this segment, we do have some breaking news to share with you. Uh, It comes from an announcement by the FDA. Uh, It turns out that the FDA has now approved remdesivir, the first drug for treating COVID-19. Don't be confused. This is not a vaccine, but rather now the first FDA-approved treatment for COVID-19. The FDA issued an emergency use authorization back in May after treatment with the drug was found to shorten some hospitalized patients' recovery time. The full approval now will likely expand its use. Uh, You've heard of remdesivir before. President Trump, as we know, was treated with remdesivir when he was hospitalized with COVID-19 earlier this month. He also, uh, in addition to that, received an experimental uh, antibody cocktail and also some steroids. Um, Let me see here. The CEO of Gilead, Daniel O'Day, responsible for remdesivir, says, quote, in a very brief statement, quote, since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, Gilead has worked relentlessly to help find, or Gilead, how do I pronounce that? Find solutions to this global health crisis. So we'll continue to to follow that. That's good news. You know, any any FDA-approved treatment that gets us close to, uh, you know, either finding relief uh, or, you know, security against, this coronavirus is all very good. So uh, remdesivir receiving FDA approval is the big news. Tonight, tonight, just a few short hours away, we will be treated, quote unquote, to the the next presidential, the next and final presidential debate to take place before Election Day. Of course, Donald Trump uh, on stage up against uh, Joe Biden. We'll see how it goes. I uh, have been for some time curious about the impact of debates like this. Uh, and I have also been curious about how many of us uh, may be experiencing some measure of fatigue if, you know, if this campaign season has just been so wearing and taxing on us that maybe we, we, we tune out. Uh, I kind of had a moment of self-reflection after, after that video was released by, by uh, Spencer Cox and Chris Peterson you know, the one that came out earlier this week, it shows the two gentlemen uh, in a soundstage of sorts uh, on camera together celebrating the civility that exists between them. Uh, on the same day as the first presidential debate, there was uh, there was a debate between those two gentlemen. And uh, if you can remember, there was uh, a lot of friendly banter between the two of them. In fact, uh, one portion that sticks out was a, a moment where Spencer Cox looking over at his competitor. All right. Don't forget that they are competitors and they are high stakes competitors. Right. You and I may uh, you know, have folks with whom we disagree, uh, but we don't have a lot of like formal opposition in our lives. <laughs> Candidates for governor of a state in this union. They <laughs> when pitted against one another, they are categorically opponents. All right. And they were able to, on the day of the first presidential debate, show off that we, uh, in fact, can execute debates in a uh, civil and informative way. And so we'll see if tonight is uh, is is something 
you know, resembling civility. We'll see. I'm optimistic, but uh, sometimes my optimism uh, leads me astray and causes me to make some, sometimes some uh, unfortunate and not-so-accurate predictions. All right, uh, I, I told you earlier that I had conducted a little bit of polling. It's non-scientific stuff. I leaned on social media for it, but uh, I asked a few questions of uh, those Instagram followers of KSL News Radio. So if you if you follow KSL News Radio on Instagram, and I would I would invite you to do so. Uh, there's some fascinating content there. We take sometimes clips from the show, uh, news from the community, uh, news you can find there on the KSL Instagram page. Have a look at that. And yesterday, uh, we posted up some polling, and I've been thinking a lot about about uh, children, my own in particular. I have one that. I have a little baby daughter, Piper. You know, I talk about her from time to time. The bosses tell me to dial it down, uh, that I, you know, I talk too much about her. But she's on my mind all the time, and so you guys are going to hear about her from time to time. Uh, I asked about, about tonight's debate. I asked, are you letting or encouraging your children to watch uh, the debate tonight? And the reason I asked that question, and I'll get to the results in a moment, the reason I asked that question is, as I looked back on the Wednesday morning after the first Congressional, or I'm sorry, the first presidential debate. I, I I remember feeling sad because it occurred to me that there were so many teachers, so many like civics teachers and government teachers across the country who had very likely assigned to their students to watch the debate and probably carry out some sort of writing assignment afterwards. I, I got my hands on one of those assignments, uh, an assignment handed down by a teacher right here in Utah, uh, up north. And the questions were, I mean, think about the last debate and try to answer these questions. Name three strengths demonstrated by Donald Trump. Three strong moments uh, demonstrated during the debate by uh, former Vice President Joe Biden. Uh, three things that you learned about each candidate. And then the last question was, who do you think won the debate? Now imagine, imagine with a straight face trying assigning to uh, a young child, you know, an assignment like that and giving to them their reading assignment, uh, if you will, of the last debate. So I was wondering if, if you know, if that, if the assignments like that will be handed out, and if parents will be letting or encouraging their children to watch tonight's debate. Here are the results. Uh, they were split, thirty-nine percent to sixty-one percent. Yeah, how, how do you think it went? Sixty-one percent of parents here tell me that they will not be letting or encouraging their children to watch tonight's debate. Only thirty-nine percent saying yes. And that's an unfortunate, heartbreaking thing because uh, many of those children, many of the the children of these 61% of of parents responding to my survey question here uh, will likely grow up and achieve voting age, you know, while this president is still in office, whoever be the, the next elected president, you know, a good percentage of them. And because of the tone and lack of civility or pessimism and fear uh, informed by the last debate, uh, they will be uh, deprived of that uh, opportunity. It's it's an unfortunate thing, and I don't, I don't blame anyone. I you know what was on display last Tuesday. I might be slow to say, "Hey, paper, check this out. This is pretty cool." All right, here's a here's a a, a question that I asked, and <clears throat> I have seen I have seen this type of polling question asked across the country, and I was very pleased to discover similarly. Uh, replicated results here in Utah. The question was, have you decided uh, for whom you will cast your vote? 
Have you decided who you're voting for quite yet? And here in Utah, 88% said yes, uh, 12% said no. That tracks pretty closely to uh, the national figures, too. About 13% of Americans uh, yet uncertain about uh, uh, who they'll be voting for uh, this election cycle. You hear that music? It means it's time for me to say goodbye. Get ready for the debate tonight and step aside. Make way for the great Jeff Kaplan as he brings you Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.